0: AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate.
2: Thank you for being a listener, and we're here as with our regulars, Ace One park uh, who kind of runs, uh, to me, but I think it's Citizens Bank, he's running the whole thing. He's just unbelievable. And our really specialized real estate attorney, Stephen Ebert, and as I promised uh, earlier in the show, when you talk about commercial real estate, there's no name that comes to my mind that's larger than Lois Weiss, who's really been doing this forever and is really an ace. She's a real estate columnist, and she just writes for so many magazines. So whenever I have a question about commercials, she's the person I go to. So thank you for being with us, Lois. Uh, Are you enjoying your summer?
3: Um, (laughs) Yes, I've been in... All over the place. I'm in North Carolina. I was in Ohio last week. I've been in New York a lot and checking out everything. So it's good. It's all good. Um and I'm hoping. So give that, us a uh, give us
2: a thing of, What's going on in commercial? What do you what's uh you know, what's going on? What's happening with commercial real estate, with commercial rents?
3: Yeah. It's interesting because I think everybody was on a roll, and the Delta sort of was like a uh oh. But you know, big businesses are starting to say mm, we're just going to go with the flow now and get our people back to work. You've heard uh, a lot of companies say no, we'll, we'll we'll put it off coming back to work till maybe October which I thought would happen anyway because the Jewish holidays take up the beginning of September anyway. So I never thought they'd end up coming back to work much before that. So I think that's a good target. And in um, we're still seeing a lot of activity. They are still renting space. They're still going on tours. Um, the sublet space in Manhattan is decreasing. People are taking that space off the market that they put on when they were very scared, you know, two years ago and thought the world was ending. And now they're recognizing they're going to need that space. You know, case in point, uh, uh, Rent the Runway, which put all of its building in uh, Brooklyn, its new building in Brooklyn on the sublet market and said, wait, you know, people now want their dresses and they want to go to events and things are opening up. So they um, are moving into that space and took it off the sublet market. And we're seeing that across the board where people are starting to make it back into the office. I think August has been a little bit of a pause because people are actually taking a vacation from their Zoom work. They're finally saying, okay, you know, I've been (laughs) at this and on every day and, you know, I need to just shut down and be at the beach or up in the woods or, you know, finally go travel and see the grandchildren or, um, you know, take my kid to college. A lot of people are doing that this week. Um, and so there's a lot of, of movement around the country, um, with people, but I, I think people are really happy to be working and the companies are starting to be more flexible with, okay, you can work, you know, three days a week in the, uh, in the middle of the week and, and work from home on Mondays and Fridays. Um, But the companies that are bringing people back, they want to be able to mentor them. It's very hard to do that when you don't have the person with you um, and be able to talk to them and that was really a complaint i've heard right along from the partners at law firms and the executives in in many of the real estate firms that they want to be able to get to know the people and not just you know on a screen call so um
2: it's funny you should say that it's funny you should say that because we've talked about that and again i tell everyone listen no one you know, knew about the, you know, no one anticipated a pandemic. And I think when it first happened, we kind of thought it'd be over a little bit quicker or a lot quicker. But the trends that were, I believe, expedited by the pandemic, but I do think that it was a trend that was in progress before the pandemic, where people wanted to have, you know, whereas I'm a baby boomer, and we went to work, you know, seven days, whatever we had to work 12 hours a day. And I felt that the uh, millennials wanted to be a little bit more balanced, let's put it that way. And they valued a little bit more of the time with their families. It's not that we didn't value them, but they demanded that. So, um, and then with the pandemic, you know, uh, no one really knew uh, or knew what was gonna happen or how long this was gonna take. I think uh, New York came back quicker than I thought. Um, So is it a good, you know, do you see uh, as, as I read that companies are, are coming back, or new companies are coming uh, Different companies.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. Do you I, I see wrote that about a
2: lease. Oh yeah,
3: yeah. I um I wrote about a lease with a um company from California that does video editing, and they're opening their first office in New York in Soho and they took the top floor of a renovated cast iron building which is like the fifth floor but and the asking rent was 120 a foot so it's this you know it's a small space i think it was under 7000 square feet and they're going to have access to the roof and it has lots of light and views in fact it has so much light they're going to have to cover up some of the windows because they do video editing but you know they recognize they want to be where their clients are so they're coming to New York for the first time and you know people see that New York is still the center of of uh banking and finance and creative and that's really important uh so and you know retailers are starting to to lease um, one, one of the things I think is important is that the meatpacking district is going to um, stop cars on some of the roads and shut them to um, to, to auto traffic. So, uh, and that was just done. And the people in the meatpacking are very excited for the retailers because it'll be more like a stroll around without having to worry on those narrow sidewalks that there's too many people, like around the Standard Hotel and on Gansevoort Street, um, where there's been a lot of uh, new retailers coming in and and restaurants. So I think that's very exciting. I think one thing we've learned is that the city has to be more walkable. um, And that's the, uh, you know, the restaurants that are opening um, in the street has been a huge boon and makes it very lively. Don't you think so, Dottie? Do you like the restaurants in the street?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was great. I mean, like I, uh, again i i'm not a, I'm, I'm not a lover of eating outside when it's uh, 10 degrees zero weather but yeah you know having the outdoor space uh was great and so that was i think that and i think that will continue well after the pandemic and i and i i i would have now if you're a landlord that space was like free i mean they didn't have to pay extra for it right so right, right. wouldn't it give them, let's assume that pandemic goes away at some point and becomes more like what I think is going to end up like a flu, but that's just my opinion. Does that yeah. landlord now have the advantage that if you buy in New York, you're now paying for the space, the retail space, but you also now have extra space to add more tables and have more people. Come yeah. And have
3: to yeah. I, 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 yeah. I think, um, You know, it really adds some liveliness. I mean, some of the places then that have like gardens in the back and and that outdoor space that you don't see from the street, you know, those restaurants are going to become more valuable. And the ones that have a, you know, a nicely built out you know box in the street are also going to be more valuable but you know remember that that during the pandemic a lot of the landlords became partners with their tenants to keep them in business so They started taking a percentage rent instead of the straight rent. So if the um, restaurateur is able to make the money by having that extra space in the street, the landlord is not going to be upset about it because it's adding to that restaurateur's ability to pay them rent, whether it's a percentage rent or the straight rent. So I think that's, you know, Um, been really important. It expanded their seating capacity. And, um, you know, the funniest was, of course, there was a restaurant that tried to do a double-decker place, and the, um, the residents on that street immediately protested. And, of course, it was illegal, and they said, no, no, you can't go up two stories with this thing. And, you know, there's... You know, it's, there's no code for it to be built well, to two stories. Right.
2: I guess mm-hmm. they figured, listen, the worst that can happen is no. So we'll try. We have nothing to lose. Now, let me ask you about, mm-hmm. because I, I know restaurants are booming and everything of that. You know, I, when I go back, um, I, 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 I've spent a lot of time in the Hamptons since I have a home here. So, uh, And, of course, the outdoor space here was always prevalent, Uh, So now having the city, I think is great. And there's a certain energy that you just can't reproduce. I don't think anywhere. I mean, in New York city, but now let's talk about midtown um, where there's a lot of office buildings and office space. And I try to tell our listeners, there's a lot, when you talk commercial, you know, there's retail spaces, office spaces, industrial spaces, all different kinds of classifications. So when we talk about office space now, um, where i guess midtown had a lot I, I would guess i'm not an expert on commercial but I'll, i would say majority of uh, uh office space what now what are they going to look to rezone some of those buildings do you think they're just the way they are or are they're going to try to do mixed use where they can be both
3: you know the the legislature is looking at it i think um, the stuff going on now with Cuomo where they're focused on what to do with him and his um, um, outcome of whether he's going to stay on or not is going to set some of the stage for what happens um, and the agenda for the buildings. I mean, there's some older b buildings that might be turned into uh housing but remember you have to run pipes it's an expensive process and they did that downtown after 911 but the what they did then was pass a a, um, a new law and 421G and that gave the landlords 10 years without paying property tax when they converted those buildings and they were supposed to be under rent stabilization and you know and that was an issue but you know then they all became under rent stabilization but if the if they pass a law and say, well, you can convert to housing, but we're not giving you any incentives. I mean it's gonna take years to do that work to run right. the piping and the the plumbing and the new electrical and divide up the things. So that during that time there's no income for the building. So, you know, the lands are gonna to have to work on that. And then we have the, the regular four twenty one Um, uh, law expiring on June 15th of next year. So people are trying to get footings in the ground to to put in their buildings before that law expires, because we don't know um, what's going to be the the next law. And there's a lot of movement from the progressives to strike that because they don't think landlords need extra money or incentives to build, which really isn't the case. And they should uh, look at, you know, the books and how much property taxes are being paid and the cost of everything before they um, start saying I, uh, no so one needs you, an incentive.
2: So for those uh, people who are listening or uh, <clears throat> getting that information and there are, you know, asking. And I always say, look, there's no perfect time, but interest rates are low. Uh, are there any particular places that you feel uh, are, are are better than others? Uh, I heard that there's some, uh, is it Wegmans that announced that they're going to move back to New York City? Uh, what do you see as the future for commercial real estate?
3: I think commercial real estate has a great future because it's a building and no matter what, you can use it for something. So um, the, the the beautiful new buildings are doing fairly well and they have a lot of tenants that are big and they're paying big money. And the landlords are taking this time where they have an older building to um you put in new amenities and rehab the buildings and make them, you know, the key is to make a place where people want to come to go to work and to make it exciting for them to be there, um, whether it's a lovely new A cafeteria or a nice gym or a yoga room or a mother's room or adding uh, daycare areas or bring your dogs to work um, and and lovely outdoor space. So that's something that people are doing. For instance, over at Hudson Yards, there's a company called Industrious, which does co-working spaces, and they've teamed up um, with... At, with related to make workspaces outdoors that any of the tenants in the Hudson Yards can use so they can basically reserve tables to work outside. So I think that's sort of an interesting twist on it.
2: And that is and, interesting. Oh, and, and so, speaking of Hudson Yards, and not that one and only in particular, but like, um, i feel and just from what i see like people were are looking to buy clothes again or looking to uh maybe not wear sweatpants every day okay yeah be out there mingling i mean i was at something and i haven't been for you know and you know people were just happy to see each other and uh that's like we've all learned how to use zoom but zoom doesn't replace in person and it doesn't give you the energy uh, no, it doesn't. So if you were looking to buy commercial, is there uh, any, any particular advice you'd want to give somebody on, on, is there any particular, uh, because a lot of uh, stores now are opening again. I see new stores come in. I see people who just gave up and, you know, that's all over. And now our new people are coming in and replacing them because people are really, I believe and we just hope we don't have anything like that sets us back again. Uh, But I think, you know, we'll, as they would put it, what do you see post-pandemic as the future of basically commercial space in the tri-state area? Uh, Do you see retailers taking maybe less space and having still a lot, because I think, you know, maybe taking less space, but having a bigger bigger presence online because people got used to that? Um, Do you see any trends that you... Kind of see yeah. are
3: coming out. Yeah, I see a lot of um, instant delivery places. Uh, there's a new one, I think, for baby items, where they'll guarantee delivery of the item within 15 or 20 minutes. So all of those uh, kind of people are taking smaller retail spaces, stocking them full of the items people want the most, and hiring people to run out and deliver the stuff within a neighborhood, so they're taking a lot of the retail spaces, and that's something to keep an eye on, because that delivery company doesn't have to be on a main street, it can be on a side street, so they're paying less um, in rent. you know, there's always good real estate. Lois, thank you-, you.
2: I I want you to be able to come back and keep us posted. Um, it looks to me like we're coming up with a commercial break
1: very shortly.
2: So, Lois Weiss, I mean, we will keep you posted.
1: Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time.
3: The product's super. I have heard about Balance of Nature for some time,
1: and I just thought I'd get involved. And so when I
3: did, I started taking it, and I saw a difference. It kind of balanced out my health, if you will. So my doctor was pleased with that. He said, what are you doing? What's going on? And I just shared. I said, well, I'm taking this extra thing called Balance of Nature. And he said, that's good. That's good. So... I admonish all people that have some type of health issue, you know, try it. It really helped
1: my health, and I know the product works. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code THEANSWER
0: it's i on real estate got a question call 866-970-9622 here's douglas Elliman's vice chair dotty herman
2: we're back and i i really truly want to thank lois weiss who is my mind her been in the uh, commercial writing about it for i um, forever and is really top It's where I go for my information first of all thank you for being on and giving us an update and I would look forward to you coming back when, as I told everybody at the beginning of the show it's summer so people are starting to go away now uh, the kids are at camp and generally everything slows down a bit in the summer anyway so I'd be love to get an update like right after you know as you said the in, in the beginning uh right after the September and the kids are back to school. The holidays are a little bit over. Uh, that you give us a, a an update on what goes on. But again, there's no place like New York City. So um, I urge everyone uh, to to get back and to get the energy. And if you were thinking of buying anything in commercial or leasing, I think it's a good time to do it because I don't think that it will stay discounted for that much longer. <laughs> do you?
3: No, it's a, it's a flight to quality. The rents are lower, the pricing is lower, and this, and that's why people are just moving around and trying to get their dream office, their dream house, because this is the best yeah. time and that's... to step in.
2: Yeah, and although, and I and I want to say this and thank you, Lois again. So we look forward to you. Uh, coming on uh, right after the summer's over and giving us a new update and enjoy the rest of the summer. Thank you. You too,
3: Daddy. Thanks.
2: Uh, So, thanks. So as as we said, you know, basically commercial is kind of reacting the same way residential is. And as, as I said, this summer, everybody, I think is kind of like had cabin fever. And if they can get out there in outdoor spaces, they're doing it because why not? Um, we started to talk a little bit before about when you're making an offer, since there's so many buyers out there to give you a little advice for uh, the buyer and the seller. And uh, in that offer, I think, Ace, we talked about make sure that you have your financials in place. You should do that before you actually start the process of looking. Because if you find something and you have to make an offer and there's multiple offers and you don't have your financing in place, if you're a seller and you've got to put yourself, you know, your, yourself in both parties' shoes. If you're a seller, why would I take a risk as someone who needs to start the process when I have multiple buyers who are willing and have done that already, have had that process, have the paperwork? Um, Ace, would you issue something that tells the seller that they can show it to the seller that they've been pre-approved?
5: Yeah, it's, it's called a commitment letter, Dottie. It means that, the bank has underwritten your file. They've checked your income, your assets, your credit, and uh, the commitment letter is it's almost as good as gold, right? So the bank is committing to the borrower that they've been approved and they're just waiting for a closing date. So showing that commitment letter to the seller will definitely help your negotiations where as opposed to pre-approval, you've just started the process, but getting commitment letter is towards the end of the process. And the bank is committing to the borrower that they're, they, they've been approved. So I would de- definitely recommend getting a pre-approval and then getting a commitment letter to show the seller, hey, I'm fully committed. You have nothing to worry about. And uh, go ahead and sell me that home, Dottie. Right. You know.
2: So yeah, and I just want to stress that again. <clears throat> when you're working with a broker, <clears throat> when you have that commitment letter, make a copy of it and Correct. show it to your broker so that your broker knows when they have to negotiate if you're a seller, when you're looking at an offer, that's what you need, you want to look and look at the terms of the offer, not only the price. And so many times the seller will say, well, I have a few offers and if the terms are, much, are better for the seller and obviously well, the, the terms are also the financing and the financing, sometimes the best price doesn't win. Uh, so you want to put a fair price in, but you also want to have uh, a commitment letter because if you're a seller, why would you take somebody who's just first starting out in the process when you can take somebody who already has a commitment letter and the bank has given them an, appro- an approval for the mortgage that they need to get? That's key uh, in, in, in getting your offers. Now, as as I had a in the email just now that said, well, you were talking about offers. What's the best and final offer mean? When a broker says to you, okay, there's three or four offers on the same property. Uh, So we need to get your best and final offer. Um, So that tells you right away. There's competition for this property. Okay. Okay. The best and final offer usually means, and again, that this is it. This is your last chance to make an offer. So whatever offer you make, we're not coming back to re-ask. You know, we're not going to say, okay, give us your offer. Then we're going to go back and say, give it to us, a second offer. Give us the best offer that you have. And remember, include the financing terms. Why do they always say all cash wins? Because if someone has all cash, the seller knows they don't have to go through the loan application process. If you have, as Ace said, the commitment letter, it's almost like being all cash. So when you see that, have everything in order. Give the commitment letter. And again, if you're looking to buy anything, get that, that commitment letter and make sure that your broker knows that you have one. And if you're a seller, again, terms are important. And if your broker can give you anything that they know about that seller and what is important to them. And sometimes sellers, I mean, I bought my, one of my first houses, uh, again, being in the real estate business, I spoke to the seller and they basically told me that the husband had gotten a transfer and to another state and he would, was going to leave early to, uh, to take his promotion. And therefore his children and his wife would wait in the house until they sold it. So obviously that's a buyer that wants to get out quickly. And again, they're not going to take a ridiculous offer if they have offers uh, that are better, but when it's not that much of a difference, um, if you, so, you know, if you can satisfy the terms. So I satisfied the terms. I said, listen, I'll get a mortgage in 30 days. And I gave them a lot of good terms. And I made sure to, uh, be able to close early because that was a big benefit to this particular seller. There might be a case where it might be just the opposite. Now, Steve, when someone comes to you and says, listen, uh, I can't work out the closing dates. Like, you know, this buyer found something, but didn't sell their, their, in other words, there, there comes sometimes where somebody finds something and they didn't sell what they have. What legal advice do you give them?
6: Right. So the first thing, obviously, if you can, is have the conversation up front. Um, that's step number one. And one of the things that I do with every client is I find out where are you coming from and where are you are going? Right. Even if you're a first time buyer, the uh, you know, you want to find out when does their lease expire. Right. Um, you don't want to sign a contract that says you're going to close in two months and you got six months of lease payments. You can't automatically just walk out of a lease likewise, if you're selling and then buying, you need to make sure the dates make sense. And also understand the rules in different jurisdictions are exactly that. New York state is more lenient and more flexible about closing dates than New Jersey or Connecticut or other parts of the country. So you need to know what deals that you signed, and especially we have people who are moving out of state and timing those transactions. Um, you know, can you put in Things like time is of the essence to try to enforce the date. Can you try to put in things like per diem penalties to cover taxes or a mortgage payment or things like that? Legally, sure, you can do it. The question is, will the other party accept those terms? And this is where you got to have that conversation up front with your attorney and your real estate broker all together to understand, to say, here are the options that you have. But here's also what's realistically market options, because I can write a contract, but the question is, will the other side sign it?
2: Right. That's
6: all part of the conversation.
2: Yeah, I think Stephen makes a good point. The attorney doesn't necessarily know that there's a bidding war going on or that there's multiple buyers. Um, And as Ace will tell you, he probably doesn't know that you have a commitment letter. So to cut to the chase, If you really want property and if you want a serious buyer and you want to be able to when the time is right and when you find that property, whether it be commercial or residential. um, Then it's worth making the best offer that you can so you don't kick yourself in the you know what when you don't get when you lose the property and you really wanted it and you lose it to somebody else so again. Um, That, that, again, working with a good broker, looking at the values and and then the comparables and what's really closed, and then showing the terms, because terms are just as as important as price. Uh, So, therefore, again, I I don't see a lot of people do this. I know Ace tells you every week uh, that you should get this done before you look. Okay, and for those of you who've got it done, don't forget the second step. Make sure your broker knows that you have that done. Okay, make sure your broker knows that you have all that and, what are, and your, your proof. Uh, and once your broker knows, they'll be able to negotiate better on your half. And if you're a seller, you know, don't go crazy trying to make it a bit more because sometimes when you look bit, some people drop out. So remember that so if you have something that's good and solid at least most of your time, uh you think it's hot to go with it, don't get greasy. Okay? So just with the with the boat. We'll be right back. We'll continue. Yeah.
7: Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation carries forward a legacy of courage and heroism. To mark 20 years, Tunnel to Towers is gifting America's heroes and their families with 200 mortgage-free homes. To honor the fallen, Chairman and CEO Frank Siller walks more than 500 miles through six states in 42 days. From the Pentagon to Shanksville, culminating at Ground Zero on 9-11, Towers of Light return to the Pentagon and Shanksville Memorials in remembrance. For the first time, those we lost to 9-11-related illness are being honored at a ceremony September 12. On Veterans Day, another first. The soldiers we lost in the war on terror are having their names read aloud. The words never forget require action. Do good, please, and take action now. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. T2T.org.
0: The United States has killed Osama bin Laden.
8: Hours after that announcement, the White House leaked that it was SEAL Team 6 that carried out the operation. Al-Qaeda placed bounties on the heads of all Navy SEALs. Then, just three months later...
1: Extortion went Seven requesting permission to take off.
8: A U.S. Army helicopter carrying many from SEAL Team 6 and others entered the Tagi Valley. I all flash, you seen flash. Anybody out there, we have a fallen
1: angel.
8: Extortion 17, the provocative new film telling the story of the largest loss of life in U.S. Special Forces history. Now playing on SalemNow.com. Questions quickly arise. Why did it take 17 minutes to fly a 10-minute mission? Was there black box on board?
4: Every American should be taught about what happened in Extortion 17. What really happened? The
8: SEAL Team 6 that dreadful night. Fallen Angel. Extortion 17. The story most Americans don't know. Watch exclusively at salemnow.com.
9: Tell me why Relief Actor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain.
0: it's i on real estate got a question call 866-970-9622 here's douglas Elliman's vice chair dottie herman
2: and as we you know we have the 15 minutes left and there's so much to crowd into 15 minutes so i just want to finish up a little on this uh on making the offer uh, uh, because that's so important, especially in a competitive market, uh, so that you know that you it's kind of a package, you know, it's price and it's terms. And it's also an attorney that, and again, I have seen attorneys that never get any, that takes forever. So I think one of the good questions to ask your attorney when you're choosing a real estate attorney for commercial real estate that they be able to respond quickly, okay? Because I have seen many a deal where one of the attorneys just, you know, is kind of like in la-la land and doesn't really get back and is not on top of everything. And again, there's kind of a, a thought that the longer something takes to happen, the the less it happens. And so when you're in a competitive market now, so I want to offer that advice. And that's why I always tell you to use a real estate attorney. Don't try to get your son in law to do it for free because you save a few bucks. Um, and of course with co-ops, Stephen, you know, I don't know what, you know, there's also, they look at your liquidity, right? They, they, when you're buying a co-op, so they look at more things. Uh, not only that you can get the mortgage, but they look at how much liquidity you have, Uh so
6: a- absolutely, Dottie, you got to be, you got to know what the building standards are. They can be tougher than a bank, um, and this is where having insider knowledge for experienced brokers can help you get a sense of what's going on, and also understand what they count. You know, they they will not look at all assets the same. You know, your checking account versus retirement versus life insurance or things like that are, are two or three different things. Excuse me. But as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you know, Westchester County did pass that new law that building co-ops do need to um, let the applicant know what the requirements are, uh, which is Westchester County, not you know, New York City. But you right. know, laws are changing again. It's all new stuff.
2: Yes. And, you know, sometimes we get away from some of the basics and I want to go back to them because uh, the basics are basically the same when you're negotiating an offer uh, and again when you use the right broker uh, and you have your paperwork in place don't disappear if you don't you know make sure that you're around because in any case if for some reason because you know I guess the seller can do whatever they want if they want to when they say we start out. they say what's the what's the last and final offer mean when the broker tells you this is the final, the last and the best offer, that means basically you're gonna put your best offer in and you should do that with all the terms and the and and, and the and the financing that uh, are pluses. Not all of the biddings are go that way. Some of them continue to let you bid. Uh, and continuously, um, which I don't think is wise for a seller to do. I think, and I want we sellers to remember that it's not only the price; it's the terms. And when you have multiple offers, there's a chance that some of them drop out. You know, and put you know, I mean, no one stops anybody from putting offers on two, two or three properties. I mean, I don't see that done as much now. I used to see that done a lot. And use an experienced mortgage person and a real estate attorney and uh that and as i said be quick so everything should be in place that's key okay when you're negotiating now the time of the essence i'm not an attorney but that kind of means you have to sign on that date uh that they put you don't use because usually the ace was there usually a 30 day grace period with the mortgage
7: yeah
5: it's usually a 30 day grace period it's so in
2: yeah, because people ask if your contract says that your closing date, let's just say September thirtieth. Usually, again, usually I'm not. You you can probably work out some 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 date a little bit before, a little bit after. Correct. And so the lender needs to know that so that if you have a closing date, uh, that they, they they can work with that and. If you can accommodate the seller the best you can, you, you want to do that because those are all part of making an offer that's attractive. Uh, making it as easy for both parties. So now what happens when you're timing, I don't know that we're going to really have time to cover it, but um, I'll leave you with these questions that Ace and, and Stephen can answer next week or some of it this week. What happens if you're in this predicament where your timing isn't exactly right, where you don't have a buyer uh, for your house, you don't have an offer on your home, but you find something you like. You do have a pre-commitment. So you you have a letter that you have, a commitment letter that you can qualify for this amount. What do you do? Do you you try to buy two properties at once what 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 kind of advice and and, and and Ace, how difficult would that be in a mortgage if they still see you didn't sell your home yet? So I have two questions, one for Steven and one for Ace. Like Ace, if if you're in the process of selling your house and you didn't sell it, but you see a property, you make an offer, and you're how does that affect your commitment or you your mortgage in any way?
5: Yeah, so, so it see. depends, right, Dottie? So on that question, that's a great question because that's That's a scenario that happens all the time, right? So if you have the ability to carry both houses, right, meaning you have the ability to carry both housing expenses, then it's not contingent upon you selling your current home. Now, most cases, folks want to utilize the proceeds from your home that you sell to put as a down payment or to at least put a partial of the payment towards the new home. In that case, you would have to sell your home first and usually, what the commitment letter will state will state is that we'll give you a loan for the new home contingent upon you closing on your current home, right? So that's a little bit of a timing game. Um, if you, if you need to do that, a lot of times, you know, you'll have to at least disclose that to the seller upfront that you're that you're making an offer on the new home. That hey, I would like to buy your house, but it's really contingent upon me selling my current home. So that could affect um the you know your chances of winning that bid or not but usually you know you'll have a pretty good time frame in terms of in between closing your home and buying the new home but a lot of times it always comes down to the wire dottie and i can tell you there's so many closings where i close in the morning on the current home and we close um in the afternoon on the new home right so uh it's 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 what makes real estate so interesting and um, really keeps you on your toes. So, you know, we, we have that situation happen a lot.
2: Right. And I again, this is a common question that listeners ask and people ask me in general. If you're making an offer, and sometimes there's multiple offers, maybe sometimes it's not. How do you decide the offer? Now, if there's multiple offers, you have competition right then and there. And my advice to you is give the best offer you can. I, I think Steve, you would tell your clients that also. Um, if there's not any other offers, a lot of times you know, people—not a lot of times—I say more than ever, people are saying, "Oh yeah, what should we offer? What should, you know, the asking price is X. How much do you think we should offer?" And legally, really, the broker, depending on who they're working for, is not really shouldn't disclose that. But um, how do you advise people if they ask you about that? Um, what how what should do does. Do, is there a negotiating room? I mean, you know, again, this is a subject I really want to discuss in length. And again, with timing and constraints, don't know if we'll really get into it. But that has been through the centuries, a big question. What should I offer? How much I, should I offer?
5: You know, I buy a lot of properties here and there, Dottie. And I always look at the time that it's been on the market. That'll usually give me a good gauge on if there's more of a negotiation room or if they just recently... Um, listed their home, then obviously they're going to want to hear other offers, and there's not a lot of negotiation room. But if they've been on the market for six months or more, you know, I can I I pretty pretty much have a good gauge that there's a little bit more room for negotiations. And usually, you know, the rule of thumb is ten percent off of the selling price. But look, if they've been on the market for three hundred and sixty-five days, almost a year, then you definitely have a good advantage, right, on your side. So. Depends. Depends on the situation.
1: But that's, I, I a, would that's say.
2: important to ask your broker. How long has this been property been on? Correct. Market? Correct. Okay. That's a key question to ask your broker. There's not always that one size fits all, but generally, I would agree with Ace that you know because a lot of times the seller will say to me, "Well, I just put my home on the market. They get a great offer, and it's like within ten percent of the price. The terms are great." But they, well, my my house is on the market only like four days. So you know, I'm not ready to take that. Uh, whereas, if it was on six months, they'd probably jump, grab it, and kiss you. Uh, so look at that. And and again, to my sellers, if you have a good offer and you newly listed your property, and you say, "Well, this happened too quick. That this means I could probably get higher." Don't look at it that way. If you have a solid offer, the financing is good. The real estate attorney gets back to you. They're ready to do this contract. I say, go with it. Um, Steve, I don't know what the advice is to your clients, but.
6: Well, sure, yeah. I mean, the way I look at it is this way. Before you put your property on the market, you should have analyzed what you're looking for price-wise and term-wise. And so this is where it'd be great to get a pleasant surprise but also understand what you think, how did you get to that number? And so, you know, sometimes your best offer comes in is the first one that comes in immediately. And you need to be prepared to accept it because that second offer could be way down the road under much worse terms. So to me, it's not a matter if it was on for a long time or a short time, it's really a matter of understand the pricing strategy.
2: We're coming to a close again we'll continue talking about some of the buying and selling things that we think you need to know next week. It looks like a beautiful weekend. Enjoy your weekend. We'll miss you and we'll be back next week. Thanks.